0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. We are about to fall down a rabbit hole. What differentiates absence from invisibility? For example, at a meeting, only men attend, so women were absent. Now imagine another meeting, mostly men, with just one woman. She is overlooked and ignored. She is persona non grata. She may as well be invisible. People with disabilities, like women, have historically also faced segregation. The exclusion of the disability community produces both absence and invisibility. To mitigate the effects of historic exclusion for the disability community, we must do more than address absence. Inclusion must be broader and go deeper and hinge on the value of every human life and perspective. Today, we discuss disability representation with filmmaker John Banovich. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. And welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Joita Gupta. I'm the host of the program, and it's wonderful to be with you again. Just a reminder that we are all working from home, as is the rest of the crew at AMI-audio, to bring you our programming while we do our part to practice social distancing during COVID-19. For information and a collection of all of our latest segments dealing with COVID-19, please visit ami.ca forward slash COVID-19. My guest today is John Banovich, an award-winning filmmaker and director from Vancouver, B.C. John is currently directing a natural history piece in the southeastern corner of Saskatchewan. And I guess he's joining us there on the line to talk about his passion for the industry and its need for inclusion. John, it is such a pleasure to have you on the program. Welcome to The Pulse. Thank you. It's been said elsewhere that to understand and appreciate your passion for inclusion of people with disabilities in the industry, it's really important to understand John Banowich. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to be interested in inclusion for people with disabilities.
1: Well, thank you for asking. I started out actually as an actor, uh, working on a number of series in Vancouver and some. Back then, what we called B-films. It was going quite well until I had an encounter with an impaired driver, which changed the course of my career, changed the course of my life. And through that process of recovery, what many refer to as a near-death experience, because at one point uh, on that journey, I was dead. And through three months in the hospital or another Six months in intensive rehab as well as ongoing surgeries, I was able to get back into the industry but not as an actor. Those doors closed quite quickly. Uh, in fact, phone calls were never returned, meetings were never uh, attended and I quickly realized that uh, in the early, sorry, the late 90s, there wasn't much demand or need for actors with disabilities. So, I refocused my attention and my career on a different path, uh, sort of bouncing from a variety of different positions and settling in the camera department, Mm -hmm. and eventually working my way into the director's chair. But it's been a very difficult road, a very difficult challenge. Uh, We can talk more in this um, interview about some of the uh, do's and don'ts and some of the exploration that occurred along this path. And why I've ended up in this position now of trying to bring awareness to this very small group, but very important group of filmmakers.
0: John, I'm very sorry to hear about the accident. I know it was uh, perhaps in one sense a long time ago, but it sounds like it had a traumatic effect on your life. When you look back, on those early days after the accident, and you're trying to sort of figure out who you are and how you now fit into the film industry. Did, did, did you feel that there was anyone at all in your corner who was willing to give you a chance? Or was there a lot of having to advocate for yourself, having to explain to people that you might have had an accident, but you were still the same person with the same skill sets with a lot to offer?
1: Interestingly enough, uh, at that time the doors closed very quickly. Casting uh, agents would, you know, some of them would take a moment to say, Well, very sorry to hear about what happened. It's a shame, but we don't really have anything to offer you. Uh, my agent at the time never even visited me in the hospital. Uh, it was a, a very challenging time because not only at that time am I trying to rebuild my body, rebuild my mind rebuild my emotions, but I'm trying to find a a way to generate an income, very important obviously, but I'm also trying to find out what the world has to offer me and what I have to offer the world because it's no longer the same. Uh, For example, you know, in a wheelchair, I found that the instant reaction to someone in a wheelchair, and I spent more than a year in a wheelchair, uh, the instant reaction was shock, Wow, well, John, you know, that, that's uh, that's quite a, an amazing thing that's happened to you here. You're in a wheelchair. Wow. Uh, but, you know, the industry can't accommodate people in, in a wheelchair. Or when I moved to crutches or when I moved to a cane, you know, it was always the same response, very typical. Uh, we can't accommodate you. There's there's nothing this industry has to offer you. you. You know, really what it was at the end of the day was a liability. The industry perceived... My, uh, and not just physical, I should point this out that you know when we talk about disabilities, uh, there are members of both the guild that I belong to and the union I belong to who have mm-hmm. mental and psychological disabilities. And what we've all done a very good job of is covering them up, hiding. We're, we're in the closet, at, if, we, you know, if you want to use that term. We remain in the closet, we remain hidden, um, and most of them in fact, all of them really, as far as I'm aware, are very cautious, very careful, very scared that uh, they should ever be revealed, that these disabilities are brought to light, that they'll be relieved from their position. And In fact, uh, some time ago, uh, you know, I suffered uh, an injury on set that was related to my disability, And I was quickly excused with a very standard uh, explanation. And uh, shortly after that, a few days after that, my position, uh, I had been replaced in that exact position, the position I was told that uh, they were going to remove. And it was very disheartening. It was an eye-opening experience at the same time. So while... Emotionally and psychologically, uh, I was quite um, frustrated and, and upset about. I also took it upon myself to to try to understand why it happened and realize quickly that uh, the, the industry perceives people with disabilities as liabilities, and that's a big issue. And I'm glad you brought me onto the program to talk about this because w- what you hinted on there is is a a very important element of what filmmakers with disabilities have to offer.
0: The voice that you're hearing is filmmaker John Banowich. Uh, John, you, you said something interesting just a few minutes ago, and I want to ask you about that. You talked about belonging to the Directors Guild and having a union. Can you tell us if there has always been an absence or a shortage of people with disabilities in the industry, and is that changing, or have there always been people with disabilities in the industry, but they've either tried to minimize their disabilities or have just been overlooked or never really been able to establish themselves? What's been going on for those of us who aren't a part of the industry?
1: Well, thank you for asking. Yeah, I am a director with the Directors Guild of Canada. I'm
0: also a director of
1: photography with um, the International... Cinematographers Guild, and I'm a full member of the Canadian Society of Cinematographers, uh, all of which I've been members of these guilds and unions for a very long time. And through this process, we've seen changes. In most recent years, uh, there has been strides made to move this uh, particular category of minorities forward. I Many years ago, before my collision with the Impaired Driver, i and even shortly after that I belonged to a group called Women in Film uh, Vancouver chapter and at that time I felt that there there was a lot of disparity in the number of women in the camera department and uh, the, the it was unbalanced it, it, you know there were there were young talented people who weren't given opportunity I felt because of their gender so I got involved in th- um, that arena and I worked hard to try to promote a variety uh, of people through the union, through the cinematographers' union, and a number of them that I mentored were women who have moved on to have very successful careers. And the the tables turned, and now what we're finding in the industry is that uh, not only are, are women in very uh, various positions throughout the industry, positions that you know were deemed uh, until a couple of decades ago deemed a man's category only, That's evolved, and we have, for example, at the CBC, I believe that the majority of executive producers are are women now, uh, which has come a long way from where it's been in the past. And, of course, in recent years, uh, we've seen uh, more groups being identified, LGBTQ, for example, uh, ethnic groups, um, First Nations groups. They've all been identified, and, and funding has been provided to them through a variety of channels. Uh, unfortunately, filmmakers with disabilities are always excluded. And this is what I'm trying so hard. It, it, it's really, you know, David and Goliath's story. I, I, I'm the one guy with this massive wall in front of me that I just simply can't climb or get through. And uh, our current federal government has little to no interest at all in trying to work with filmmakers with disabilities. And that's quite frustrating because I believe that we deserve uh, equal opportunity. I believe that we're part of this diversity that uh, we commonly hear, that discussion we commonly hear. And I believe that uh, if there's going to be what we call true equality for everyone, then we need to be at the table. There needs to be categories created for us. There needs to be funding created for us. We need to have an opportunity for our voice, and more importantly, we need the opportunity to be able to bring to the table unique experiences, experiences that no one else can. To put it another way, one of my opening lines that I like to use when I'm meeting with a new uh, production and studio executives is, hi, I'm John Banovich. I'm a very unique and diverse person, I bet you never met a, a dead director before. And I can say that because you know, as we mentioned earlier in this interview, uh, I was dead at the scene of that crash, mm-hmm. and so that offers me uh, a, a very unique uh, insight into something that they could potentially use
0: mm-hmm. John, you referred to the struggle for inclusion for people with disabilities as the David and Goliath story, so. One of the other things that you mentioned in the first half of our conversation was the need to get adequate funding and a role for the federal government. Can you expand on that? How do we ensure that stories by and for and about people with disabilities get funded and that the federal government takes an active role and an interest?
1: Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, The interesting thing about this is that talking to other Filmmakers with disabilities, and recently there was an article in in our local paper that uh, ended up going through the network. In other words, other newspapers in the greater Vancouver area picked up on the story and ran it. So I've been approached by other filmmakers with disabilities, and some of them very junior, uh, people looking to an example. They want to see someone successful. Where is this person from my community with disabilities Who's, who's had some success, I need that hope. I need that, that icon. And they feel incredibly disillusioned. They feel that, you know, what possibility do I have as a disabled person to ever become a filmmaker because not even the people at the top are able to, to find that level of success. So how will I make it? And this is very important because what many of us with disabilities in the film community refer to, right now what we have is an exclusive inclusivity. In other words, we'll include some groups into this inclusion, this diversity, this this broad range of you know equality, but other groups we won't include. And one of the groups that seems to always be ignored or left out are the filmmakers with disabilities. And there were a variety of funding channels that the federal government is involved in uh, through broadcasters through independent uh, funding platforms even through distribution and having applied to a number of them myself over the years especially in the last year uh, one definite category that is always missing is filmmakers with disabilities so we've got categories for women in film which is great, and we've been working at that for a few decades now, and it's come a long way. We've got categories recently, in most recent years, for LGBTQ, for First Nations, for people with ethnic backgrounds, uh, and ethnicity and colour. We've even got religious categories for uh, some specific funding channels. Within the film festival community, even, here in Canada... There are no categories, and you know I'm talking about reaching out to Van, uh, the Vancouver International Film Festival, the Toronto International Film Festival, and I'm asking uh, them to, to consider this, uh, Whistler International Film Festival. You know, Making an actual history documentary by myself, funding it by myself is challenging enough, and having to go out there in horrible conditions and rough terrain and haul all this heavy equipment around Uh, You know, the last one that I did was was in the worst worst, uh, fire, the worst wildfire season that we had on history in the Rocky Mountains. And I'm trying to do this by myself. So, uh, but uh, to add on to all this, to compound the problem, I'm a person with disabilities. So it's even more challenging. Yet I still have to compete with the, the other people who are fully funded, who have access to funding from a variety of channels who are completely able people and it creates a massive unbalance and so this is what we're up against as filmmakers with disabilities and this federal government needs to step up to to help and to include us not to leave us out we need the the film festivals to create categories for us as they've done for other minority groups We need the federal government to create categories within the funding channels and the funding models for us to give us opportunities, equal opportunities. And and we're not saying, oh, you know, put us above any other minority group. That's all we're saying. We're saying we want to be at the same level. We want to be at the table. Like, how come we're not even invited? How come there's nothing for us? Absolutely zero. So...
0: So John, let me ask you finishing. something, because a few minutes yeah. ago, you mentioned uh, about some of the major film festivals, whether it was the Toronto International Film Festival, the Vancouver International Film Festival. A while back on the program, I was talking to the artistic director of the Real Abilities Film Festival that takes place in Toronto. It is compared to TIFF or VIF, a much smaller festival, but it does have a focus on disability representation and often features work by directors and others with disabilities. One of the interesting things that they've done because of COVID-19 is put the whole festival online and have virtual screenings. I guess the reason I'm asking you or relaying all this to you is because I'm so curious about what do you make of it. You've got the smaller festival that's going to great lengths to make their programming accessible and inclusive of people with disabilities. How does that stack up compared to your experience with some of the larger festivals, which I assume have not only broader scope, but deeper pockets?
1: Right. Well, and that there becomes the issue. Uh, these larger festivals obviously give filmmakers with disabilities the, the platform to, to get exposure, to accelerate their careers. Uh, to meet the right people at the different voD platforms and broadcasters and distribution companies that hopefully are are going to see value in what they offer and it's changing I mean that's changing the 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 rumor is that some of these voD platforms now are are considering working with people with disabilities. Unfortunately, that hasn't filtered its way down yet to Um, in my level and uh, other filmmakers with disabilities. It hasn't worked its way down there yet. Now, I should back up a moment and and, uh, address and point out that this last film festival year, uh, going through the circuit, there were a number of U.S. film festivals, which for the first time uh, offered categories for filmmakers with disabilities. In fact, uh, I won a couple of awards, well, a few of them, Uh, as best director with disabilities Mm -hmm. and they're smaller film festivals but it's starting in the US and I'm glad to hear about this festival in Canada that you mentioned in fact uh, I'd like to get more information about that Mm -hmm. Uh, so not only you know I have it but I can promote it to other filmmakers with disabilities but uh, the response here in Canada has been I feel at least anyways much slower than in the US and in Europe they're much quicker to address and create categories uh, for filmmakers with disabilities. So, uh, again, you know, how does this manifest itself? Well, it, it, it's part of it is, is the industry itself as a whole, but also, uh, you know, who, who's leading the industry and, and the funding models? Well, that's our government, and they need to be uh, a willing participant in this.
0: I'm speaking to filmmaker John Banovich about his passion for the industry, but also why he feels that inclusion is so paramount. John, do you think that what we need really is a paradigm shift? And what I mean by that is rather than having a conversation about hire people with disabilities, create categories for people with disabilities, maybe the, the conversation we need to be having or the industry needs to be having is, who and what are we overlooking when we exclude people with disabilities? Maybe it's the industry that needs to change. I think,
1: and I shouldn't say I think because I actually know. Uh, what I'm finding in the the United States is that they're already starting to open up this door. Uh, it's it's cracking open, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding is that they're willing to bring people with disabilities to the table. Now I like. Your approach to this and, and that is, you're right. Uh, we're part of society. We're part of culture. We represent an element within this culture, this you know society that we live in. So definitely, we need to be a voice. Uh, we and we have something to offer. As as uh, I like to put it, would you hire an actor or a director to act? Uh, as a disabled person, someone who, you know, potentially has to go out and do a lot of research, or is it better to hire an actor who is uh, a disabled person and fully understands, has, it's very tangible, it's very real. Same for a director, uh, you know, directors can do research and absolutely any director can, can go in and research and study, or you can hire a director who already has the experience and very little research is necessary because they're in touch with it, they live it it 's tangible it 's real, and this is what I want to bring to light is that the benefit of working with people with disabilities can be cost effective, can be time effective and it is value and rather than being seen as a liability let 's look at us as value added as, as assets. Mm-hmm.
0: So, John, with just enough time for one last question, let me hopefully not throw a spanner in the works, but let me ask you something that I've often wondered about myself, which is, do you ever worry that when we finally start to see inclusion of people with disabilities in the film industry in a meaningful way? Do you ever worry that people will be pigeonholed? If you're an actor with a disability, you'll only ever play, you know, the, the character with a disability. When will we move to a stage where disability becomes normal?
1: Great question. Uh, I think we've got a long way to go before we get there, though. I think, first of all, we have to be given the opportunity, and we're not there yet. We're not there where we're given these opportunities. We're not there where we're recognized. We're not there where there's even a funding model. So how do we even start? That question is important, but that, that's the next step. We've got to get to step one, and we're not there yet.
0: Mm-hmm. John, it's been a real pleasure getting to speak to you. I'm so glad we had a chance to discuss your passion about, and, and you know your lifetime, your life's work in the industry. Thank you so much for speaking to The Pulse today.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: That was John Banovich, who is a Vancouver-based filmmaker and director with a disability. If you missed any of my conversation with John, you can find our podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. You can also check out previous episodes of The Pulse. I want to say that I think the phrase, nothing about us, without us, comes to mind, because When we parse the difference between an absence of a community versus its invisibility or erasure, there are so many forces at work. But underlying the absence or erasure of people with disabilities is a lack of value assigned to our lives, our perspectives, and what we can offer, not just the film industry, I think that the conversation I've just had is in fact broadly applicable across the board to a number of situations and professions. What I think needs to happen specifically in the film industry, because so much of how we relate to ourselves and each other and understand differences is mediated by the film industry, I've talked about that previously. What I think needs to happen specifically in the film industry is we need to really embark on a social movement to try and introduce authentic and celebratory inclusion. I loved what John had to say about included, inclusive exclusion, where you still have some groups at the table, but others seem to be conspicuously missing. So John has given me a lot to think about, and I hope he's given you a lot to think about. You can head on over to AMI.ca forward slash on the Pulse. That's the show blog. And I'll have a couple of additional thoughts after my conversation with John has had time to settle in. I'd like to thank John Banovich for being my guest on the program today. The Pulse is produced by Andrika Delanerol. Sam Robinson is our technical producer. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio, with special thanks to Paula Janine technical supervisor. If you'd like to give us feedback, we would love to hear from you. Write us on Twitter at AMI-audio and use the hashtag Pulse AMI or you can send us an email, write to feedback at ami.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks a lot for listening to The Pulse on AMI-audio. Have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host, Alex Hajar, and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.